Well, good morning. It's great to be with you. Um, and I hope you had a blessed Thanksgiving season. I was um, thinking again as, as the worship group was leading us in singing uh, worship to God today. Um, it is so wonderful to be a Christian, isn't it? I mean, it doesn't... It, whatever you're going through, you don't ever lose Christ. Isn't that great? I mean, it, it, is, it is our security above everything else. I was thinking back again about our salvation. Beauty is, it cost us nothing. There's nothing we could have paid for it. He paid it all. And yet, when you become a Christian, it costs you everything, doesn't it? Because he changes your life. I mean, not in a way that you can pay for your salvation, but that your life is changed. And what I'd what I like to do over the next couple of weeks is uh, talk to you about this whole issue of being good stewards of what God has given us. And I know it can be a touchy area, and it's an area that's sensitive for all of us. But I think it's a really important area. <laughs> Sometimes I think I'm like my kids. When we, um, when we first moved into our home, we've been there several years now, you know, a couple of them got their own room. They never had a room before. They were always stuffed with two or three other kids. And uh, so they, they would say, Dad, thank you so much for my bedroom. I love it. You know, um, but it didn't take too long before they would say something to me like, um, dad, tell him or her to stay out of my bedroom. And I always kind of corrected them at that point point, said, honey, I just want you to realize a couple things. Who pays the mortgage each month? Who paid for the paint for that room? The furniture? Me. That is my bedroom that I'm letting you use. You know, do you ever have to do that with your kids? You, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. And I'm like that with God. God says, Doug, that is mine. <laughs> okay? When you became a Christian, that's all mine. I let you use it. Use it in such a way that honors me. So we want to kind of pick up on that issue. And I thought it might be good to start with words from our Lord from Luke chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles and you want to turn over to Luke chapter 12, I'd like to um, focus in on verses 12 to 34 and relax. We'll move through them rather quickly. But, but what you're going to find as we work through Luke chapter 12 is two very, very different portraits of how to handle money. And, and I guess one of the things I'd ask you to wrestle with as we work through this text is which person more reflects you? Uh, we, we all struggle. Everybody struggles in this area. I understand that. But, but, but think through that as we work through this text. Let's look to the Lord in prayer again as we uh, open up his word. Father, it has been such a joy to be with your people this day. Um, to sing praises to you. To focus on how great you are. And Lord, we, we need on a daily ba basis to be overwhelmed with your greatness. Otherwise, we tend to focus on ourselves. Help us, Lord, as we look at the words of Jesus on this whole issue of stewardship of possessions. Focus, us, focus our hearts on you. Change us, Lord, from the inside out for your glory. And for any friend that might be with us here today who has never bowed the knee to Jesus Christ and come to find freedom of forgiveness 
and new life in Christ. May this be the day. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. I used to teach uh, school. And um, one of the things that used to really bother me is uh, I, I'd be teaching along, teaching Bible class, and child would raise, and I mean, I know how kids work. I was a kid once, too. They're always trying to get you on rabbit trails. And Yes, Bill, what what you think about the flyers the other day? We, we were like just looking at the Gospel of John. What, what, what's, you know, and they just want to kind of interrupt and move you in a different direction. And sometimes used to drive me crazy. One of the things I find really interesting in the ministry of Christ is how often he is interrupted. And that's what you find in Luke chapter 12. Jesus is teaching the most important spiritual truths in the world. And some guy interrupts him. Look at what happens here in verse 13. Jesus, I mean, you just read the first 12 verses, you're going like, whoa, this is heavy stuff. This is about following Jesus and knowing him and, and following him. All that's good stuff. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to, to divide the inheritance with me. Had nothing to do with what he was talking about, folks. Nothing. I suppose Jesus could have said, shut up and going on. I mean, it's one option. But Jesus is brilliant. And when the guy interrupts, he says, okay, I'm going to, first of all, quickly answer him. And then I'm going to tell him something he actually doesn't want to hear, but he needs to hear. Right? It's, just, it's a brilliant piece. Look at what he says. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? In other words, he says, um, you know what? I'm a lot of things, but I'm choosing not to be a legal judge at this point. There's a whole system here, and this really isn't the time. But while we're on the topic of money, let me talk about it for a little bit with you. I mean, that's what happens in the text, you see? So he said in verse, um, in verse 15, Take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Um, is there any time of the year where you think it does more than now? I mean, you, turn on the, you turn on the TV and, and you know, the whole process says, look, if life is going to make sense, you've got to have this new gizmo. Right? You've got to have this bigger that or this. or I mean, we, I mean between, between now and Christmas, retailers make their money. And they've got to convince you that you need it. So they take the language of lust and they turn it into the language of need. And there you are, right? I mean, we're, we're in the season. I love the season. I don't like all the glitz and all the commercialism, but I love the season. So Jesus says, look, be careful because you live in a world of covetousness. Covetousness says, you know, I need more and more of what I already have. Somebody asked John Rockefeller one time, um, how much more money do you need? You know what he said? Just a little bit more. Isn't, it, isn't that kind of like our tendency? I get a car, and for a year or two I'm saying, this is nice. Then what do I say? Well, you know, I could use a new one. You know, I mean, it, what, what is it about us that we just, we look at things and we say, you know, if I can have that, I'll be secure. If I can have that, I'll be significant. 
If I have that, I really will experience pleasure in my life. I mean, if you shift in neutral, folks, that's the way we are. And Jesus says, be careful. Be careful. Be on your guard because it's your natural response. Be very careful. And then Jesus does something that he does often in the Gospels. He tells a story. To try to bring it all home. That says, look, and look, folks, the other thing I want to say is, we live in a world of things. You can't just totally ignore that either, can you? And Jesus isn't going to say that either in this text. But we've got to keep it in balance. What is it that I focus upon most? What is it that I'm obsessed with most? Listen to the story. He told them a parable. Saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. Folks, that's the American way. Isn't it? I mean... You have to say to this guy, he's a businessman par excellent. All he's saying is, look, we've had a good year. Next year's going to be better. I've got to put the crop. He's a farmer. You know, he's not into the porno in industry. He's not talking about gambling. He's not selling drugs. He's a farmer. I mean, come on. You don't live without farmers. So he says, look, what I'm going to do is I'm going to build bigger barns and have more and at the end of the day, you know what I'll have? I'll really be able to enjoy life. Ah, it'll be so much fun. And I'll be secure. I'll never have to worry about things anymore. I resonate with that. Don't you? I mean, don't you read that a little bit and say, sounds pretty good to me. And, and the problem is not that he, wasn't, that, he, that he was planning. The problem is that he was planning without God. Right? Look at what the text goes on to say. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? I don't know what that looked like exactly. The text doesn't give us the details. Maybe he just had a great meeting with his architect, set everything up. Man, sitting at his desk, told his wife will be up about 11, 12 o'clock at night. She can go to bed. He's going to work a little bit longer. And there's a dark figure at the door. Figure comes in and says, uh, you're done. Who are you? I'm the death angel. Your life is over. Well, listen, we can cut a deal here, man. You can have half of what I own. No, 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 you're, you're, you're done. You're counted out, pal. Ten. Nine, eight, seven, six, five. Whoa, 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 whoa. Look, 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 look. Take it all. My wife and I will start over. We'll, 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 just, just take. No, no, you don't understand. It's over. Five, four, three, two, one. And I don't know what happened. Maybe the next day his wife came downstairs and there he was sprawled over the desk. They had a whopping wonderful funeral and everybody got up and said how wonderful he was in the community and all those wonderful things and gave him a beautiful funeral and a graveside, the whole thing. And... But God wrote 
over his tombstone one word. Fool. And this is why. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Look, you've got to live in life. You've got to work. You've got business. Yes, that's all part of life. That's not the point. But here is a man where life was all about him and finding security in his, what his, own, in his own pursuits and, and pleasure and all those kinds of things instead of being rich toward God. So God was just kind of bracketed out of his life. He may have even gone to synagogue on Sunday. I don't know. But God wasn't central, folks. And Jesus says in this passage, there are rich fools all around you. So, so beware covetousness. And then in the passage, he switches gears. And he turns and he looks at his people, his disciples. He says, I have something to teach you. I mean, that's one way to live, but that's being a rich fool. There's a better way to live. Look at what he says. Verse 22. And he said to his disciples, because you know what I love about this? I, Jesus is a realist. Um, especially if you're living in the first century. You know, it's not so bad for most of us. We worry about paying mortgage payments and college payments and all that kind of stuff. I, I know, believe me, I've got two kids in college right now. I worry about that stuff sometimes. I know. But... Um, in the first century, most people worried about eating the next day. That's the truth. I mean, I don't really, I mean, looking at me, you can see I don't really worry about eating. I mean, it, it's, it's, I could go a week or two and probably do quite well, thank you. But, but, but in their day, that's not the way it was, was it? And so Jesus is looking at people who are saying, okay, you say don't covet this stuff, don't be like this guy, but like, we don't have much of anything. And Jesus said, look, let, let, me, let me talk to you because I, I know your tendency as my people is to worry. I know that. So let me talk to you about that. Look what he says. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. And, and in other passages, he'll talk about having shelter over your, your, your head also. Okay, Jesus, you tell me not to worry about it. And there's a difference between, and I don't know, what, I'll just be honest with you. I don't know where appropriate concern ends and unbiblical worry begins sometimes. That's the truth. I mean, I know when I'm there because I'm so obsessed with that that I'm forgetting him. So, I mean, I know when I'm clearly there, but there's that shadowy interim. Jesus will use the word concern. Paul will use the word concern. Same Greek word. Sometimes he'll use it for, he'll, we'll translate it worry. That's not good. Sometimes it'll be translated concern. And that's considered appropriate. But you can kind of fade from one to the other. So Jesus knows his people who are concerned can easily shift into worry mode. You see? Well, why shouldn't I be worried, Jesus? Jesus says, let me give you a couple reasons. First, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. You, you wouldn't know that looking at Hollywood though, would you? You wouldn't know that looking at Wall Street. Because we live in a world that says it's all about those kinds of things. And Jesus says, look, if you're so focused on that, 
that you're not thinking about me and what I want to do in this world, then you've forgotten that that's not what life is about. Life is not about things. Jesus, don't forget that. If you're like me, I forget that sometimes. What else has he said? What the text, as it continues. I love this. Consider the ravens. They, they neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn. I mean, that rich guy had store barns to put all his stuff in. Birds don't have anything like that, Jesus says. Nothing. You know, they just kind of fly around, you know. And yet God feeds them. Now look at what he says here. How much more value are you than birds? Folks, whatever else you think about yourself, you're worth a whole lot more than a bird. (laughs) Far more as his children. Look, he's going to give us another example, just a few verses down. Look at verse uh, 27. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his, his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, you burn it up because you need something, that's what you do. It's, just, it's here today, going tomorrow. How much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. We sang about it today. God sent His Son to die for you. And Paul declares over in Romans chapter 8, how will He not also freely give you all things? Not that that you want, but that you need. God says, look, I want you to look when you see the birds and when you see the flowers. I am the providential God that watches over all that. But much more than that, that stuff is nothing compared to you as my people. I love you. My son has died for you. I've given you of my spirit. How much more? You don't have to so obsess with that stuff that you don't obsess with me. That's what life, life is about me. Don't get caught up there. I'll watch, I'll watch your back. You can relax. This is another reason. Not because how much he loves us. That life is worth much more than things. But notice what he says um, in verse 29. Um, and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? When's the last time worrying really helped you? I think I'm going to stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning and worry. Yeah, it really works for the next day. You know what I mean, really? You think about it. All the energy and the attention and the stress that goes into this worry. Jesus, it doesn't do anything. There's no payoff. Actually, there's a loss. So don't worry, because life's more than just that. Don't worry, because I love you. Don't worry. Because it really doesn't make any difference. And lastly, verse 29, when you do worry, 
You live just like people who don't know God. Look at what he says. Verse 29. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. And he doesn't mean, oh, be lazy and don't work. That's not the point. Don't seek. Don't be consumed with those things. That's the point, folks. You see? Don't, don't, don't seek that. For all the nations of the world seek after those things. Now listen to what he says here. This is very important. Look at the words of endearment in the text. And your father knows what you need. Instead, seek his kingdom and these things will be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he goes on to say this. Look, um, when you and I go around and live life as if the most important thing is things and the only way to find security is by Doug Finkbeiner taking care of himself. When I do that, God says, you live just like a godless, the godless world who don't, don't, that doesn't know me. You see? Why, why, why would you do that? I'm your father. Now, I, I've never had one of my kids come up to me and say, hey, Dad, how's it going on like the electric bill? <laughs> I mean, like, you think we might be able to pay, pay it this week? I was wondering, like, uh, we'll have enough water next month? I mean, they, I mean if they... If they <laughs> I suppose if we had a bad month. But, you know, if, if they said that stuff to me regularly, how would I feel as a dad? I'd say, look, would you relax? Take your shower, don't worry about it. You know, if it's too long, I'll tell you. But just, just it's okay, that's me. I'll worry about that. I'm the dad, you don't worry about that, right? I mean, that's how you feel. And that's why all the way through this passage, God has addressed his father. We live as if we're fatherless sometimes. And this text says, you have a father. He's for you in the person of Jesus Christ. He is up to something. Like, what are you doing? So, words for his people. Don't have as your ultimate pursuit things. Don't obsess over that. Don't worry about that. But if you want something to obsess over, I'll give you something. Look what the text says. You want to obsess? Here it is. Instead, verse 31, seek his kingdom and the things will be added to you. Now, does that mean I'll get everything I want? Now, will I get everything I need? Yeah. It, it, sometimes it, it's interesting to me because I don't know what your experience is with, with, with fathers. Sometimes people have had really bad experiences with their fathers. What's always interesting to me in Scripture, when the, when the Bible categorizes frames God as Father and compares God as Father with Doug as Father or you as Father. He always makes these kinds of comparisons. He says, look at, look, at, uh, look at your decent fathers in this world. And what you find out is that they love their kids and they do the best they can with all their foibles. And then he says this, if you being evil know how to do these things, how much more will I love my children? You know what the point is? On my best day, I pale in comparison to God. Right? And he wants us to know, look, you be about God's things 
And God will watch over your things. But the way I want? No, not the way you want, but the way you need. And you'll be just fine. Seek the kingdom. Be consumed with God, His righteousness, His glory, the way that's already touching us now in this world through His church. Be consumed with people and Christianity and His church and what He's going to do one day in the world when He comes back and writes all wrong. And I don't know when He's going to come back. I doubt it's going to be, what, May 20th, whenever Harold Camping says it's going to be, but you, whenever you check it, I, I don't know when Christ has come back. Come back tomorrow. Could be a while yet. I do, I do want to call that guy on May 22nd. But anyway, that's beside the point. Okay. That just, that's probably not good. But that's how I feel. Okay. Um, anyway. Seek the kingdom. And, and notice nobody says, I, I read it, but let me, let me just read it one more time to you. Um, I, I love this. I, you know what the problem is when I, when I give myself fully to God? I, I'm afraid. Now, it's stupid, but I am. Because I, I it's, it's still a little bit risky, isn't it? Which is why Jesus immediately comes back in verse 32 and says, Fear not. Because he knows we get scared. You know, fear not. Fear not, little flock. He, he doesn't just say he's my father. He tells me he's my shepherd. Fear not, little flock. For it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You know, there are some things that we pursue in life that we will never get. Isn't that true? I mean, I could try to go up the, the corporate ladder of success and live all my life to try to go up there and see whatever happens. And you know, you sometimes get to the top, you never get there. You never you get to the top of your ladder, it's just not high enough. That's it. And that's life. But in this text, he says, you know, when you are about God's kingdom and what he's doing in this world and what he's going to do in the future, don't worry, because you got it. You will come to enjoy God's presence and his purposes. I guarantee it, Jesus says. It's all yours. Don't be afraid, little flock. Your father will give you of that. That will not be something you pursue that you never attain. No, no. It's for his people. And he goes on to say this. If that's the case, if life is about God, and being consumed with his purposes and his church and his people and all that he's doing in this world, knowing where the whole thing is going, that frees me to be generous, doesn't it? Which is what he says here in verse 32. 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Now, this is not saying, because as you read through the gospel, Luke and in the book of Acts, it doesn't mean that it's a sin to have a, have a home or a car. That's not, the per, that's not the point here. But what he's saying here is, I don't have to be like that rich man where I'm always hoarding and security and trying to protect. No, no, no. I am freed because I have a father that loves me to live for his glory. And in that process, I can begin to give away the things that are his anyway. As people have needs, I'm willing to give. As there's an issue of, for a missionary, whatever, I'm giving. I'm giving. I'm free to give. Because I don't have to play God anymore and trust in myself. You know, I love that statement. I don't look at it very often when I flash out a dollar bill. Take out a dollar bill. What's it say on there? And God, we, wouldn't it be good if every time we looked at our coin or a dollar, we read that first? 
What we should say is, I don't trust in this thing. I trust in God. And he'll, he'll take care of me. And that, that frees us then to be people. I have to share one quick story with you. This really is unbelievable. I had, my, uh, my stepmother um, works in an old folks community. And she's worked there for years. She's with a woman who um, actually um, claims to be a Christian. And she's hoarded all her life. She's got a lot of money. I mean, here's, here's my stepmother giving of her time. And like one day, my stepmother took her to a, a, a luncheon and brought her back. And the woman said, I don't think I'm going to pay you for the luncheon because you were eating and enjoying yourself there too. And I said, now that you tell her, it doesn't work that way. She hires you. She hires you for that time regardless of what you do. Drives me crazy. But she's got like 40 pairs of shoes. She's, she's, she can't even get out. And, and, and Shirley, my stepmother, said, you know, why don't you give away some of these things? I mean, you don't need this. You can give it to seminary students or to people that are poor, whatever. We, come on. No, no, no. It's all mine. It's all mine. And she lives her whole life like this. She has no friends or family. They're all gone. The only one that cares for her is my stepmother and one or two other people. Because she's lived her life like this, rather than like this, folks. And, and I, I pray she's a Christian, but there's major issues in her life. All I can say, I don't know. I mean, I don't know her heart. I, it's not for me to judge. But that's not the way to live. The way to live is with God and be consumed with Him. And then I'm free to take His stuff and use it for His glory. As I invest in the lives of others. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. Look, I don't have much money, but I have some savings. And I worry about the stock market a little bit. You know? Not, not like if I had a lot, but, you know, I worry about what I got in there. I got a retirement fund, so I worry about that stuff. Because you never know what's going to happen with that thing, Right? I mean, it seems like it's okay right now, but who knows? If I was a, an investment consultant and I could say, you put money in my account, it will only gain, it will always gain, and it'll be a lot. How busy do you think I'd be? The, the economy will never touch it. Man, you guys would sign up for me. I'd be a wealthy man, right? That's what this text is saying. You know, when you carry around that, those money bags, the problem with money bags is they get old sometimes, they wear out. Jesus says, you can make yourself something where it'll always be there. And you can have a treasure in heaven that's so secure, unlike here on this earth, a thief could steal it. Or if it's apparel, it could get moth in it, moths in it and be destroyed. You don't have to worry about that because your investment is a secure, eternal investment forever I can't take any of it with me but I can send it ahead isn't that true and most people live their life for the dot of life when we should be living our life for the arrow of eternity isn't that true and 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 I don't know I'm too American because I read this stuff and I say to myself I know my tendency folks I know my tendency um, and if you're like me, my tendency is to worry. 
My tendency is, yeah, but I need that. I need, and, and look, you have to be a good steward and you have to care for your family. And provide. I understand all that. And you need to be about all that. I'm not saying that. But you know what I mean, don't you? When you've gone over the edge and you live just like the world. You come to church on Sunday, but you live just like the world. And this text says, God wants to free you from that. He doesn't want you to be like this rich fool. He wants you to be wisely rich as you pursue Him and His kingdom and His purposes. And then you're freed to invest in His kingdom because you've got a Father that loves you in the person of Jesus Christ. Folks, that's the way to live. I was um, looking over briefly the life of a fellow by the name of William Borden. You've all heard of Borden, the uh, big uh, milk and butter and all that kind of stuff. Who knows what else they do. But Borden Hughes. William Borden, back in 1905, was heir to all of that. And under D.L. Moody's ministry, he became a Christian. Went to Yale when they stood for something. Then on to Princeton, Princeton Seminary when they stood for something. And he said, I want to give my life to reach the Muslims in China. So he went to Egypt at the age of 25 to learn the language and the culture and then, and then off to China to minister to the Muslims. He got spinal meningitis and died at the age of 25. His father was frustrated with him and kind of turned his back on him. I often wondered, if I was living at that time, I was reading his obituary in the paper, you know what I'd probably say? What a fool. <laughs> you know what I mean? He gives, he gives away all of that fortune. And he goes over to Egypt and he dies of meningitis. And he, what, a, what, a, what a jerk. I wonder if I would have thought like that. Is that what God would say? Or would God say that man is rich? You know, in in his diary, at different points in his life, there's simple statements that Borden made. The first one was, no reserve. In other words, I have no reservation that I'm going to the mission field. And the second one, after he had all kinds of problems with with his father, and his father was saying, fine, then you can't have anything, he wrote in there, no retreat. I'm going to stay focused on what's most important. And several, I don't know if it was several weeks or months before he died, his last entry was, no regrets. That's the way it works for God's people when they live by God's design. God doesn't want you to be shackled with things. He wants you to be shackled with him. And then freed from things to use them for his glory. Let's pray.